Hi, and welcome to Hyperfixations, the podcast where we invite various interesting people on to talk about their niche area of interest. They could just talk forever about. Here are your hosts. I'm Ali. And I'm Nigel. And today we have Owen. Owen, how are you? I'm very well. Thank you very much, Ali and Nigel. I'm looking forward to this overdue conversation. <laughs> uh, we are we are too. We have, uh, like to our audience, we have had so many technical difficulties, but we're committed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's also like... Like um, I saw you when you were in doing a, a store signing for Weave and I was like, like when you were with Deirdre and I was like, aha, there's a zone. You should, next time you see me, come over and say hello. So, you know, I, you know, I, I, was, I think that day I was really busy. We had nine bookshops and I was militant. Yeah. I was like, we, we ne- need to get the next one. My legs are sore. And, um, yeah. But I'll be, yeah, it's no, I only, I'll be in again. I'll be in again. Yeah. I only... um. I only got talking to Deirdre on the way out. So yeah, it seemed like these are very like, like on a schedule. <laughs> gotta be, gotta, gotta keep the schedule. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So Owen, tell us, what are you here to talk to us about today? Well, I'm here to talk about the traditional healing practices of the Minkari Nijas, which are also known as the Irish Travers or Nuxul. We're the indigenous nomadic community here in Ireland. We're less than 1% of the population and we would be considered in part and um, some of the cust- cultural custodians of Atlantis or Ireland. All right. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So um, how did you get into, how did you first like get into this topic? Like, why did you choose it for today's episode? Uh, well, I think it's, well, one of them, because I've listened to some of your amazing episodes and I think it's best to go <laughs> with something that people are actually hyper fixating on and love and have a passion for. Um, I, I grew, I was blessed to grow up in a situation where traditional practices were very um, openly embraced along with the wider practices um, with around health and healing and they weren't being compatible and they weren't seen as complementary or, or orthodox, but just seen as healing is healing, whatever gets you there, gets you there. Um, and it's certainly a topic I absolutely love. I have, a, I have a passion for culture and for lore and for foraging and for candles and brewing. And it just touches those aspects of my own identity. And I get really excited when, when I explore it through other people's because we inherit all these messages and singles as it's called signals and tools around health and healing and harmony. And we don't always either observe them or make ourselves aware of them. And I just find that exploration to be so exciting. Um, and filled with so much like oh so much the wisdom of our elders and forebears are is so intense and it's like literally like how were they surviving thousands of years ago it's why we're still here and I think one of the last things we can do is honor that journey and even if it's just for the sense of contemplation and awareness but if it wasn't for those skill sets we literally wouldn't be here right yeah yeah and do these healing practices have like like a wide are they widely known throughout Ireland or is it very like specific to kind of communities that they're in because like a lot of um a lot of uh a lot of like kind of indigenous practices in Ireland have largely been stamped out either through the British or from like you know I don't know concerted efforts by Eamon de Valera to create um you know like a unifying racism against Minkari mm-hmm. people um mm-hmm. so like are they still widely extant in Ireland um, I, they are in different ways, but it's also down to how we honor and understand our, our concepts of health and healing and what we, we have taken into, to, I suppose, to inheriting. A lot of the practices we return and reduce to the idea of Pishoga. I know those like just like a little fairy tale of this notion. In fact, they actually might be quite potent. Um, and, and most of them, we've, we've used a lot of them ourselves, the idea of that rationale of where nettles grow, docks grow. And if you've ever been stung by a, a nettle, you'll know exactly the, the I suppose, the remedy of a dock. Yeah, um, I, rem- I remember my nana telling me that one. Sorry to cut across you, but my nana No, 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 because we were, um, we're on a walk. That's and I got by- Yeah, yeah, because yeah. we were on a walk and, like, I got stung by nettle. And I remember, I just remember her saying to me, like, you know, saying, like, there's always dock leaves where there's nettles. Yeah, and, and there's a sense the world around us lives in this kind of harmony and there's there's the traditions of where you get ill is where you need to go to recover. And sometimes that can be seen in the, in the surface of trauma in order for us to re-engage with a wounding in order to heal it. And other times it might be actually directly environmental. And um, yeah. sometimes people have hay fever take the honey of the local area because it has loads of those factors that our body can build a resistance to. So there is a sense of wisdom there. And I often think that while there, we all are people of notions, um, if people consistently use something as a remedy, 
and survived it and found a healing out of it is because it was working on some level. It, like the, so we have three levels of healing that we traditionally go through. And it's just it's the it's trying fall. We've all heard we have the mind, the body and the spirit, which mm-hmm. is the mind that you that the minds that were actually psychologically engaged with our own healing practice. It's not this removed thing that somebody else is giving to us. We identify it as an issue we want to engage with. We're doing something. We're focusing our intentions, our thoughts, our, 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 our body awareness of what's in pain, what's you know, what isn't. The actual physical body of are you are you resting? Are you sleeping? You're getting your right nutrients. Um, and you're in a place that you make feel very nervous. Like, how is your body reacting to these stimuli? And then also the spirit. And sometimes the spirit can be just be a sense of I feel peace with myself, could be a community spirit. And other people is is that interaction with the sense of their own personal or sometimes even institutional understanding of divinity if they people have a calling or a sense of one or not um yeah but i think that's the establishment of that trifold is very well especially in ireland is very knitted into our identities and into our mm-hmm. histories and especially with the main people it's really like it's, it's an active part of who we are so much so that it even affects the um those hsc guidelines in relation to um i suppose health providers engaging with those which specifically says to honor our traditions around the powders and the metals and the certain approaches and the healing and our, our own healing people um oh. which, which 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 most people don't that. realize yeah because because what it was the people were engaging with with their own practices anyways and if the if the medical especially there was a, the it was very much driven forward back in the 80s around the western health board they realized when they weren't engaging with people around their own I suppose, specific health needs people were concealing them which means doctors were important to making a full rounded um, observation or input into, into a client's care or a person's healing because they weren't aware of other methods of approach the person is engaging. Um, you know, so like one of them would be for people who have cardiac conditions, like um, hawthorn tincture or tea is quite openly and readily used. You need to factor that in if you're going to go on to um, a more, I suppose, mainstream medicationary care, because it needs to be factored in of, well, you're already doing this in order to, I suppose, to engage with hypertension. So let's factor in that approach rather than we're going to overdose you um, because we don't know what to engage with. And people saw that wisdom. They saw that understanding. And they, rather than reject it and diminish it, they embraced it. And I think that's very important. Mm. 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 But largely unknown, largely unknown. But like, you know, and I know that you, you were explaining before our um, technical difficulties, um, your own kind of, you, had, you met with a, we call them liquors. Um, that's the name for someone who cures burns. Um, and yeah. There's, there's a, yeah, there's a reason. Um, but like you were sharing that, like, like I love that. I was like, oh, and see, it's not so far from the surface of most people's lives. It's just that we feel it's a little bit strange for it because they go, wasn't that odd? Rather gone, did it work on some level? Did you feel anything? Did you even just just feel better than someone was trying to mind you? Genuinely, so, it, it did. Yeah, genuinely, it did. And that, like that was the thing that really surprised me is we didn't because like I fell and my hand went into a stove and the whole hand was burnt. Yeah. And this is what sorted it out. Yeah. Um, and we went there because like I had no concept of, of this man. May he rest in peace now. Um, but like um, we were brought there also because in part, like when my mother was younger, she had gotten like a really bad sunburn on her legs or something. And she had gone and, uh, you know, received the gift of Kieran Burns. Um, yeah, and it had worked for her as well, you know, like yeah. when it was really bad. And like, I don't like I'm not going to say. Like, I'm not going to sit here and talk about um, placebo effects or anything, because quite frankly, I don't think it is. And I think it's like insulting to say that something like that is just a placebo. But like, it makes me really proud and hopeful for like you know irish culture and an indigenous irish culture that it still like exists mm-hmm. I, I really but agree all- and i always yeah no sorry oh, but also just for for your, your good selves and for our listeners uh, within our community um people speaking over each other is not in any way considered uh, rude although it might be an absolute hazard when listening to a podcast because when we gather we gather um as as written, which means in a circular way, which because that way it's less of this. Everyone takes a turn. Is that there's a fluidity to a conversation. So if we are if we're speaking of each other, I don't most certainly in any way consider it rude. <laughs> that's that's yeah. really nice. That's really nice because I feel like a lot yeah. of conversations that I have with people will just be the two of us just kind of like speaking over each other. <laughs> it's very much the it's, nature of this podcast, isn't it? <laughs> to be it's fair. passion. It's passion, and I, I just this kind of because we call it uh, settled speak. 
And there's this, like, everyone takes a turn. And it's all very polite. And it's all very orderly. Rather than like, going, if you have something on your mind, you, there's a sense to need to share it. I know that there's been studies around linguistics, is uh, social communities, that two things. One is that um, many, uh, many people in the community have um, informed gestures of agreement. So when you're speaking, if I'm not going, uh-huh, uh-huh, nodding my head or anything, it's considered a little bit rude, as if I've disengaged from the conversation. Like, silence is a, is, is a killer of, of talk. Mm. Um, and, but also, um, which I always warn people because I am a speaker, is, um, swift speaker, I should say, um, is that there came a name of the anthropologist and linguist who, who came and said that the standard um, delivery of words per minute within the settled normative community um, is 125 and within the traffic community is 190 per minute. Um, so we do speak much, much quicker and then also at a higher tone because we're more used to having ambient noise around us. Like even my generation, we're the first generation of people who, who spent the majority of the time inside, while my parents would spend 99% of the time outside, if not for sleeping. So how we physically vocalise for each other is slightly different. Okay. Oh, I find things like that are just fascinating. And that all comes down to, again, relationship with ourselves, our land and how we health and heal. Um, and sometimes that's even in just a... The knowledge and understanding that can be healing on an intercommunity level. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I was going to ask you about was because I I can't remember what exactly it was, but this man, Jimmy Fitzpatrick, who had the gift of Kieran Burns, like a little while before he died, he had apparently someone had given him the gift of curing something else. And I wanted to just like inquire about that because obviously you're more knowledgeable in the area. Um, and it's like, is that possible to like transfer the gift of healing for something else onto someone? It is. And it depends on the tradition in which you're engaged in and what the, what the cure is. Sometimes cures are directly, they're born with them. Um, like a, yeah. a cure for, for eye infections is the um, a son, uh, uh, this, a son who never saw his father, which means his father passed where he, where he was born. You're supposed to have that ability to eye infection, also le- leaving the, the gamma insulin, which is like the evil eye. Um, mm. Other people, there are specific prayers. And, and and when we say prayers, we're actually talking about both in the Judeo, I suppose, Abrahamic kind of structural faith of like a prayer, but which is also slightly an invocation slash enchantment, if you look at most of them, especially there's a candle. You know, there's like, I, I often find, well, what's the difference between here apart from doing a church? If I did the same thing in the woods, I'd probably be like, you'd be taken as a witch. Um, you know, so it's always kind of who, who's got mm. your back, and um, <coughs> and sometimes specific recipes are in, and people can guard them not because they need to keep them secret, but it's because they're seen as to be so sacred. Um, is that it would be almost sinful to spread it out openly, is it going, this is this is a gift and it's important to be shared, but it needs to be done in a certain context so that people don't abuse it. And if you've inherited a gift like that, there's rules. Most people can't take a payment for it. Um, most people, they will, we, you will be given a gift for your time, your energy, but direct finances are usually seen as to be um, questionable, um, yeah. especially people who are I was told just to, to keep him in my prayers for a couple yeah. of nights and that was it. So there's an exchange mm. and there's a while other people might say, I know a man in particular who um, who is who's working a lot with uh, people with um, muscular pain. And his thing is literally, can you bring me a few sods of turf for the fire while you're here? And I went, great, that's fine. Do you know? Um, yeah. So it's never it's never about using that sense of traditional healing to take advantage of people or to gain from it. It's more seen as let's have a, an exchange that both of us can honor and feel it's 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 appropriate rather than one that I'm the I'm the healer and, and you're the healy or the person Joe you know, it's more about going we're both people trying to navigate this stormy sea of life and if we find a lighthouse between us like blessings to both of us yeah Yeah, but also yeah. So I so even among these things, so like a lot of my work goes. To, it's my personal work goes back to direct herbalism. So if you if, if you're blessed to have an area that's green, and you may have a garden, or you might have a you might have a window or anything. Like I look outside, and some people see foliage and see flowers. I see stories, and I see lore, and I see all these allies with incredibly powerful, potent effects on our body. Because most people underestimate the, the idea of like herbal interactions. Going, if you've ever had vodka. You have felt the power of rye and potato, <laughs> right? And how powerful that can be. Yeah, <laughs> like you're not wrong. You're right there. Yeah, you know, 
Yeah. And then we kind of go like, oh, no, no, it's like, it has to be, it's like, oh, no, when we're doing everything around us until very, very recently was all like organic is a new term because organic just meant food. Um, no, that's it, these synthetic ideas. And then you kind of, well, what exactly does it mean by synthetic? So when we when we take what we take in, it comes not just all in with like what they are, they come with those nutrients, those histories, that lore, um, you know, and I, that embrace of this isn't just a thing. If like, again, talk about potatoes. When we talk about potatoes, we don't, in, in the Irish side guys, we don't just think about spud. We think about, starvation we think about resilience we think about the great hunger you know so this, this that's only on its own but we also think about maybe sometimes just like kind of going sure like i love bit of mash there myself you know, you know, like we all have our own little recipes and so it's never just the object it's also the lore of that object and how yeah. we engage with it um yeah yeah so um and especially as we move through traumatic experiences we have the collective the cultural um the connective community and the personal and how we navigate that can be very different to other people. But I just find that so fascinating, so fascinating and how mm. people have gotten these tools and instructions and agreements with themselves with the people around them um, that if this works, we're trying it. And, they, and if it continues to work, we will we'll move it forward. But if, if it doesn't, we leave it behind. And it, so it doesn't come with a shame of you went to someone and the cure didn't work. It's not that because you're a sinful or that they, that they didn't try. It's that that didn't work because maybe something else works for you. And even yeah. that engagement, I think, is because when people think of um, like of, of being unwell, it's, there's a sense of guilt that comes with it. It's like, what did you do? Or, you know, like, like it's almost the blame that you got unwell. And I, I saw that a lot, especially around the recent, most recent, you know, the most recent, my Lord, the pandem- pandemic, if I'm not to say that word, um, of how hmm. people reacted to other people and either their own needs for care, of how they might be assumed to be pushed out on other people and how health is actually incredibly politicised a part of our lives it's quite industrialized because of all like, the high pharmaceuticals and, and the companies that make a lot of money out of us but also a lot of people feel so very distant from their own care the, the primary physician for each of our lives is ourselves and if that's just down to i'm going to make a cup of tea and make myself sit down to take five minutes to i'm working on this incredibly um potent kind of incense blend that i know that it's going to affect my kind of guys as well as my cardio as well as the brassicle of my of my lungs i'll do that and how how much we want to, in, to dip into that it should be entirely up to us but only if we have the ability to make a choice and unfortunately the vast majority can't really make that choice because we don't have access to that ancestral knowledge the way that we should yeah 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 i definitely feel like it's tied into kind of like ableism as well where it's like you know if you're sick and have to take time out for from your job to to heal to recuperate to convalesce whatever um depending on you know whatever you're out sick with be it physical or like you know some sort of uh, illness it's always like you know oh well you're not here to do the work and you're you know like look at everyone else who just showed up to work today Uh, and i've definitely felt that like internalized in myself Mm. especially now because i'm like I feel like I'm definitely under the weather, but I'm like also like in work and it's like seven people called out sick. And I'm like, oh. well, I don't want to leave people uh, understaffed to make their lives harder because, you know, I can't just come in and deal with it. Stuff like that. Like it, it's this weird sort of internalized ableism mm. where you're, you're, you know, um, picking on yourself and discriminating against your own like ability to do things because of how you think society perceives you yeah yeah we're always told to like just push through it like just yeah just, like, the mentality of grin and bear it yeah and, 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 and like, like diminish your own needs but at the same time we're not going to give you additional tools to make yourself yeah. better you know and like if you're making just yeah. get, going just to, get yeah, better yeah. like yeah just yeah just get just just, just knit don't... that bone together you're fine <laughs> <laughs> don't be just don't be sick like just like you have covid just just don't have covid like just it's that easy yeah and part of my reaction to that is okay if i'm in this situation that i'm aware of that pressure i make a decision and I make the decision under my uh, however i want to make it we all have our own individual kind of value sets our own needs and soft spots and a way to, to react but i try to bring as much ally with me do i bring soup in with me do i make sure that i have really good tea you know, um, do I have a nice warm bath that morning with a lot of kind mm. of, I suppose, kind of like florals and kind of mint based kind of products, which I know that really kind of, especially if I, if I usually, if, if I feel, because we have different interpretations of health and healing of how our bodies work. For instance, like if I have a cough, which means my lungs are quite wet, 
So I, I would search out things that are quite warming, not hot. So the idea was like, just like putting um, on a fire, if you throw water on it, you put it out, which means it's the coldness. What you need to do is you need to create a mist first. So even how we, we approach that healing within our bodies, it comes out of that psychotype, that approach, but also by the love, it, like, it brings us the care of, okay, I can't do the A, B and C like I want to, but how do I reduce the harm as much as possible? Um, and I think that our environment around us and our, our the heritage behind us has given us a lot of options um, that we're becoming, I suppose, increasingly open to. Not all of them are perfect. I mean, even within the kind of general uh, modern kind of the orthodoxy, as you call it, the medicine, which is by far, again, just as valid as any other approach. Um, mm -hmm. People are constantly learning. Things that we thought were helpful may not be as helpful as we thought they, they, they were. Things that we thought were a benefit are definitely baneful. Um, like, and, and rather than kind of going, oh, let's just throw away everything else, go, no, learn from that. That's how we were yeah. yesterday. That's how we learned for eons on eons. We, we thought something worked and we, were, we got more information and we made better decisions. It doesn't dismiss the practice. It just said, I want to be more empowered by it and through it. And like we all are on the, in a continual journey towards health and healing. And sometimes I think we have this fixed idea of what healing and health means. And in fact, I don't know anyone who's healthy. I know people who go through different stages, but no one's healthy. You know, and yeah. they're maintaining, mm. they're, you know, they're expanding, they're reducing, you know, they're, they're you know, they're, they're exploring. And um, I sometimes I think we're not allowed to give ourselves that freedom to explore those ideas and thoughts and and also the, the ability to fail at something. Do you know, I mean, there, there's certain practices that that I've done in the past and I realized going A my body has changed to B I know a bit more and but C I'm thankful for that at the time because however it did work it worked for me yeah. and it didn't cause any harm and I and I honored that but I was also but I was saying yeah that worked really well probably wouldn't now um do you know and it's not just down again because I actually quite like the placebo effect I don't find it as diminishing because I was going we don't really always know but what we you know, but and we, as we continue to grow, we, we are informed, but we can't deny some wisdom. Like as someone who has a kind of um, non-visible kind of long-term kind of chronic illness, um, I like my doctors. Um, like I, I think my specialist I work with is is quite good. Um, back in September, I ended up in A and E very unexpectedly, and was going through like my my medical history and what I would do, and what I and I take a certain tincture um, to offset a certain, um, certain effect. And the um, the overseeing, overseeing physician said, oh, that doesn't work. And I was, I was like, oh, actually, no, it does work. And I can give you this information. I can give yeah. you these like, scientific studies. And they're like, no, dismiss it. And you're like, kind of going, what do you think your medicine is made from? Yeah. <laughs> Where do you think they got your digitalis is foxglove? Yeah, we use it in, in, in character care now. Um, like, to, like we don't just miss kind of looks folksy, you know, and older kind of going, it did something. Now we were you know, certain parts of our medical kind of uh, training are more more precise around things and more exact. No fox growth grows the same. The nutrients are different. The weather is different. So there's a benefit in having a very standardized form. But at the same time, we do that uh, it, it, it ways to kind of diminish other people's practices. And I was kind of going, it's not about being against. It's kind of going, if something is healing and and. Hard, I suppose not harmful to you, embrace it. But for the love, for the love of all, don't dismiss it um, in a way that's outwardly. Because sometimes I think, kind of going, you're a physician. Not all doctors are scientists. Yeah. You know? And sometimes we forget that. Mm. And I always, you know, and I was kind of going, and even like with, with the recent, I guess, of medical change where everyone in this country, we all became medical experts. And I spent the entire time going, I, I was like going, I don't know what's happening. I just know A, B, and C. And my biggest trigger to all that response is I, my, my own innate reaction is going, I don't like how some people are now more afraid of other people. Joe, and that was one of the things we became frightened of each other. And that a lot of us do is this panic of, I need to mind myself, I feel vulnerable. And if we had additional skill sets to make ourselves feel safer, I don't think that panic would have been as deep and because it, it was very real and very sincere to so many mm. people. But I don't think it would have been as deep if people had other tools to explore those avenues of safety. Mm. Yeah. And then especially the like rising wave of like discrimination and violence against, um, you know, Southeast Asian and Pacific Island yeah. nation inhabitants, you know? Yeah, well, we saw it in this country too, without being again to a political, which, which was I love to go to, anyways. Um, like during that time, I had like I know of several people who had, and this is covered by the RT News, several people who had um, parties and get togethers and stuff, and people had their hands slapped and everything. There was a travel wedding that the armed forces turned up outside of their people's homes to ensure they did not leave that area. 
Mm. You know, I mean, that was core of the RTE. So you're kind of going, so certain responses are heightened around certain kind of minority groups because A, do we associate them more with like lack of health? Because really interesting, the, I, this is the stuff that now, now, I find so fascinating, is that um, like, so, so we do know in recent studies that, um, that there's a high percentage of travelers that have a unique biodome within our gut system that gives us a huge resistance to inflammatory diseases, which means that there is a statistically huge advantage of being a traveler when it comes to things like arthritis and rheumatoid. Very few travelers actually uh, present that condition. And in the 30s on the Oireachtas uh, records, travelers had such a high resistance to TB um, that a TD proposed a blood transfusion program between travelers and the wider community because we were healthier oh yeah not, so and again not. people don't get to see that don't get to scale we just see it as the diminished failed settled people who are forced to were called travelers and were forced into illegal status because since 2001 nomadism is legal so you can't be nomad although you're called one um traditionally anyways and so and so there's all these other erosions around our identity and i find one of the ways that i find peace with that is to return to the land and to return to those aspects because nature is both cruel and it's kind but like it's every other thing but at least it's more honest that, that's true mm. Mm. yeah yeah like i'm like I'm, I'm just remembering a co-worker of mine when i worked in woody's was um she said that there's nothing there's nothing in the world that makes you sick that nature doesn't have a cure for mm. And I think, yeah, it's that kind of honesty where you just like, you got to go out and look and you'll find it. I think so, yeah, especially around the trifold. I mean, with the body, mind, the spirit, like the, the, those psychological approaches, being an active agent, um, the body itself, like body sterilizers, herbalism, um, like muscle. You know, I mean, the people at the moment, what's that big, there's a big interest around sea swimming. It's called sea swimming. Um, I just thought it was swimming, but now it's called sea swimming. It's fascinating. If people you know, get all these endorphins <laughs> and rushes from going to the cold, you're going, that's what we, we did until very recently. Almost everybody sea swam. Yeah, or we're, we're in the river. Hmm. And, uh, and then when it comes to prayers, why people may not always believe in the divine intersection and in I suppose that kind of powers. Most people would not be opposed to uh, the idea of good thoughts. Do you know? Yeah. Like someone wishing them well. Yeah. Or yeah. lighting and a candle. Not, yeah. Yeah, it's like, and then you're kind of going to start, like, what does that take from you? It's like, someone hopes that you do better. And I, I think it'd be very peculiar for someone to say, I don't want that for me, thank you. I go, well, that's fine. <laughs> I think that's peculiar, <laughs> do you know? And um, and even when it comes to our, our traditional approach uh, towards, I suppose, the different angles of traditional healing, there's the six main ones. There's, oh, this This is great now, because it, it, it translates really well into English. Um, so there's brewing, bushing, Binding, burning, blessing, and bathing. Now, isn't that just amazing, right? So again, they're synonyms. So they're not perfect translations. Great. Yeah, yeah, but they're not perfect translations. But I was talking kind of like, um, like, but I love now synonym. So the first one is um, brewing. So the day would be teas and soups and broths. You know, the idea of not brewing these items, bushing, which often is like token leaving. So if you have any of you been to um, a sacred well here in Ireland, be it Bridget's Well or Augustine or Lucy Well. And you can tell almost immediately if a traveller has been there because there's a high amount of ancestral engagements. You have people, pictures of the dead, you have tokens on trees. Um, so you've been to There's one, one in see. four. Yeah. And it, does it, is it one that travellers uh, visit? I'm not entirely sure, but like there was, because I mean, obviously there's a lot of like, is is, is the correct word Dinshankas um, around it where it's like like you've got the seven miracles of four and stuff mm. but then you have this like there's one of the trees that won't burn and i don't know whether it's the same tree but loads of people have left like offerings and pieces yeah of we clothes. call them cootie we, we have those cootie in the end cootie that tra- yeah cootie yeah um and that tradition has changed very recently so traditionally people would have taken item that would have rotted so a bit of mm. cotton or a bit of meat that would have rotted away and applied to the place of, of this needs healing, given to the tree. And as that rotted, they're supposed to recover. Um, yeah. So anytime I see those and see bits of plastic and stuff, you're like, oh, Lord, <laughs> what are you doing to yourself? Yeah. What is happening? Uh, yeah. What's they're playing the long game with those ones. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're well, they're, they're a long term <laughs> investment. I hope to come back. Um, and actually very recently um, I'm involved with Philip um, Breathe here in Clondalkin which is Festival of St. Bridget we have a wonderful St. Bridget well and we, I'd be one of the people who would be involved with caring for it and we had an ash tree that only two weeks ago had to be taken away by the, by the council um, and felled because of the years that people had harmed the tree without engaging with it appropriately oh. um, as far as you know it didn't have ha- ash die back which, which is quite a blessing itself 
but people ha hadn't always treated that, that tree very respectfully. And actually, I sent you an image of when I moved here. So I'm in an area called Banog. Although I've an area, I've been a neighbor who calls it Banajwe. I was like, oh, that's quite nice. I found some fancy. And there was a there was a tree in the middle of a field across from me that when I first arrived here, I found loads of nails nailed into that not knowing what it was, because there was no markers and, and only speaking to a few neighbors, I took the nails out and I took them away and thinking there might be something here, so I can't throw them out, but I'll bury them. Um, but that tree was a healing hurt tree that people who would find and set some nails would come to the tree and inflict pain upon the tree in order to take that pain away. Um, that's hmm. not exactly within our practice. I'm thinking, going, you're killing this beautiful tree, this beautiful, beautiful oak tree. And um, there's now gone. So I even came and took the roots. But um, and I, I find so on, on one level, we say, we don't believe in such things. These things are pishog and passive and just notions. But we are when we're not in places of health and healing, we do return to those places of power and those energy to say, if this helps me, it helps me. And I'll embrace that. And sometimes we don't always understand, but we don't understand, I need to fully understand something to know that it works. Yeah, like I, I don't, I don't I understand how a phone works or a mobile phone works, but I know if I press those buttons, I can ring someone. Yeah, that yeah, that thing. It's like you don't have to understand something. There are like certain things, like like medicine stuff. Things I'm like, you, yeah. I'm like, I don't understand this, but it, like it works. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think so. I think so very much too. And like, and then when we, especially our areas around us, we don't always. I don't always agree with the history of a land around us. Like, like when we, especially nomadic people, when we were in the position to move, we were taught, what's the history of that land? Where is it? Who, 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 like, because we can't, we don't believe in ownership of land. You can mine land, you can protect land, you can grow things on it, um, you can feed your family on it, and that those boundaries should be respected. But there's certain strips of the side of the road, people are going, you don't use that. Like, what's up? What's up? Why are you upset for people staying here for a couple of days to live? And so our engagement with land is different. So, but I think part of it is the post-colonization of I need to take reclaim land. We feel vulnerable because we had land taken off us. Rather mm. than it's it's just land. You know, it's just just it's just land. If someone can live there for a period of time and prosper, like I do, remain confused. It's one of those. I suppose how people relationship. One of the things actually about I'm jumping back into this whole right now before I wander off. One of the things around patricial healing is my God, the amount of jars. There's jars mm. everywhere in my household and things drying constantly. My partner, who's from the wider community, is so patient. Um, like I am the person who goes around little vials just in case we find something. Like go to Holy Wells, bring back a bit of water, certain plants here, bring back that. Um, I, I, I don't do gardening. I, I do um, floral survival. If I plant something and it grows, happy. Idea of pruning everything, you're kind of going... Is that to give vitality back to the plant so it grows a different way? Or is that just to make it look pretty? Mm. And while something being pretty might help us in the visibility of like, oh, I, I, if, I'm, if I enjoy my environment, I'll be better <laughs> in it at times. But yeah. it's not bound by that. Yeah. So, um, oh, God, the love of jars. It's amazing. Oh, I, you have no idea. You have no idea. So when I move sometimes, all I hear is like clinking bottles. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Um, Could I? Forgive me. So this is, oh, sorry. Go ahead there, Ali. No, sorry, I was just saying, could because I'm seeing the thing, it says we've got like four and a bit minutes left. Do you think? Yeah, well, I've seen a new one. That yeah, might be an idea, one. actually. Yeah, because yeah, we'll, yeah, this feels like a natural cut. So what it is, yeah, I come we'll, out. Yeah, we'll pick up where you left off, Nigel. Yeah. I'll just stop recording that there. Yeah. Yep. So, sorry, Nigel, I think you were, I think you were talking. Yeah, uh, no, so what I was saying was like, uh, uh, like excuse me if this is somewhat an ignorant question but like how tied is that kind of healing practice with the jars tied to other things like um like wicca you know where they because like i've done certain practices where i've gone out and collected um like i've put a glass or like a glass jar of water out and i've put it underneath like the full moon so it you know becomes moon water for use in rituals and stuff but like is there is there a definite kind of link or is it just that sort of like convergent evolution thing where uh, two things end up being similar? Um, oh, that's really interesting. Um, like knowing a little bit about it, I understand obviously it's a, it's a, it's a British tradition of witchcraft um, by the gardeners. You know, um, but I think there's convergence of practices across a human, I suppose, or expressions of, especially for nomadic people, we bring things with us. Oh, you know, so unless something was very, very sacred or important or very essential to living, we didn't bring it with us because you're literally your currencies on your back or on your car. Um, so when people brought things with them, it's because they knew they actually worked. Um, so they had, so it had some parts. I do understand that most people 
um, and, and across the world, there, there's practice around jarring things. But also, I know we speak earlier, I always don't quite understand the difference between a candle in a forest and a candle in a temple or a church. Mm-hmm. How they seem to be so so vastly different, um, you know, mm-hmm. rather than they're just expressions. And like a candle is set up the elemental, like the 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 wax that sets up the earth, the 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 molten wax is water, the smoke that rises is the air, the the fire, the flame itself is fire. This hand that's that's engaged with intention, that's the spirit. That itself is an intentional practice that engages with the world around you. But also, it's just a candle, you know, which you're using as so as, as a means to, to communicate to yourself that you want something, but also potentially the world around you. And that then. It's so very unique to everybody, um, but there's no way we can't, we can't say that it's potent um, because it most certainly is. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and mm-hmm. yeah, and then yeah, and then there's other things like kind of um, like uh, a lot of, of our community use a lot of chords, um, which we, which we make ourselves. These chords from like Saint Philomena chords, Saint Bridget chords. You usually get associated with a saint and chords. That can have different, I suppose, focuses. Saint Philomena is associated with protection during childbirth, but also just in general protection. Her colors are red and white, red for fire and rust and you know and flame. Um, white is for purity and protection. Also, it's a it, it's a it's a, um, it's a guard against death, because in I suppose Irish societies as a whole, people wear black during times of mourning. So if you had white upon you, it was a way that you're in a place of peace and your family is connected and together. Um, yeah. Same thing with, with Bridges. Yeah, Bridges' cores are the cores of blue and red, which is her duality of being both of the fire and the water. Um, Bridges mm. really interesting because she's both both the same Bridges and she's an ancient goddess. And in Ireland, we didn't quite go through that same, I suppose, Ref- Reformation was in the wider Europe where things were torn out and we were forcibly, um, although a lot, of, a lot of people were punished in ways, but we weren't forced to be engaged with the, the eradication of other practices. They were just slowly converted. Are like yeah. are, are shunned away in a second way, but we know that they survived. I mean, like um, in Balik, and um, we have Samhain. Like we have all these festivals. We have like you know May Day, and we have the St John's, the Bonfire Night. We have all these things that we know they survived. We just don't always think about them, or where yeah. they, why we do them, where where they're from. And even like next week we have the Wren, so the Wren, the Wren, the King of All Birds. Um, like yeah. that's supposed to that's supposed to be with you. That's the that's that's the I suppose the, the resurgence of the sun or the when the when the darker days have been overcome. So and you kind of so they, they are parts of our lives. We don't always engage them in the same way. And I know for my sense of self and for that of my community, working with those rhythms it, it gives you a sense of being in, in harmony with life, which will also gives yeah. you a sense of you that you most likely will be healthier. Um, you know, with life if you're moving with the flows rather than against. Yeah, definitely. I feel like there are just a lot of traditions that we have that, like, we kind of don't think about where they come from, like, a lot of times. Like, it's like we said, I, yeah, I, I don't know, I'm, just like, it's just saying, like, I agree, like, you know, I'm kind of like, yeah, shit, like, you're right. No, but there, there's different ways, because they're going to, like, um, like, anyone who's ever fallen and hurt their leg um, or their elbow and had someone kiss them better. Mm. So, like, so, like, the idea of, like, that slight act of kindness does bring healing into itself um you know, uh, yeah so i think looking at those practices especially ourselves like some of them can be quite unusual like saint torture is quite common in ireland people don't realize it of how like in a, a pan european way there's all this kind of veneration for saints where we're like willing and praying to have something else in ireland a lot of us especially we torture saints it's like poor saint anthony going every hour in the hour i'm reading you right I'm telling you what you need to find from me. <laughs> yeah. Um, the child of Prague in its finery, in its beautiful gowns, goes, we're leaving you outside because you don't want to get wet. So you're going to get yes. dry tomorrow for the wedding. <laughs> you know? And, um, and you look at you kind of going, that's kind of threatening, like, daisy aspect, right? We're having all those traditional science culture. Fine. But in fact, you're going, you and your finery is going to get absolutely drenched with that rain. So we'll just put you out there to make sure everything's fine. And, um, and, that, in, and that, you know, and that play, on culture and religion and traditions we call it or Peshoganess, like that's very living in us. And sometimes we, we, we push it away, we go, oh, that's, that's such a silly thing. Rather than going, no, that's the whispers of the people. That's the power of people right behind you. That's, that's how people view the world and, and saw stability. That's the thing of beauty. That's the thing of enchantment. That's the thing of culture in a living way, rather than this idea of, because actually that's a question I have for people. I'm especially being from a minority culture, I often get asked, well, tell us about travel culture. So, you know, especially within my job, I'm I'm best as um, I'm the National Travel um, Development Officer with the National Museum of Ireland. Um, so mm-hmm. a lot of my work is both kind of engaging with those narratives, engaging with the state narratives, the established narratives, 
and stating voices of the community members in order to to, to review items, objects, engagements, you know, situations. And um, I'm, I'm always being interested to say, tell me about your culture. I, was, I, I think the conversation needs to be reflected back on. Tell me about your culture. And if, I, if I, you can tell me how you understand your culture, I can start to tell you how I understand mine. Because the vast majority of Irish people's sense of culture gets reduced down to this weird thing of, there was a famine, we like shamrocks, and there's a Guinness. Do you know? And um, yeah. then I go, the edges are blurry. They're different. It's like the gender dynamics, the age dynamics, this rural urban, this family history, this all this stuff. So when we juice those conversations down rather than extend them out, we rob ourselves. And I think part of that is actually around the, the narratives and engagement of healing and what we view as health. And that's part of, of that re-embracement of other parts of who we are. And what do we actually think about healing? What do I think of what it is to be unwell? But, you know, like, how do I actually view those changes around getting better? And that's something that historically of me has done very, very well until quite recently. Um, and I think it's something that if we re-embrace it or we have the opportunity to, we all benefit. Yeah, definitely. Mm. And, and, yeah, and even traditional, traditional cures is something for everything. Um, like, there's, like, um, like, name something. Name something randomly if you're, you know, see if I can think of a prayer for it. Oh, like name it like an illness, yeah, an illness or experience or something. A hemophilia, okay. Hemophilia. Um, so that I would say so the idea of um, no, so um, there is one associated with Judeo Christian, so there would be Jesus wore a crown of thorns and his blood to freely flow in honor of the holy mar. I play this flow to go. No, which is people's idea of like that idea of you no, know, that someone has suffered for you, you know, the transference of that pain and that blood loss, and everything going because that's already happened, it doesn't have to happen again. Um, okay. So, 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 so that rationale was there, was, was pursued the divinity, that the, that enchant where people will can themselves, the certain rhythms and tones, of certain prayers. Then, when you practice them and repeat them, it's actually quite calming to the person who's engaged with them, as the person's hearing it. Um, and then, and because it's linked in with their mythology. And the religious kind of that it brings out both that both that comfort. Um, and I think things that are actually quite beautiful. Hmm. I'm glad I found that. I'm glad you didn't pick something random like oh, hadn't a clue. Yeah. The one I was thinking was to defeat the point. Yeah, the one I was just thinking was just like stomach cramps. Oh, there's one for that as well. Um uh, vein to vein and swain to swain, each to be a whole again. Uh, which means the idea of anything to do with your stomach is, is the fire and the movement of your of your water because that's one of your very very, very people just do it's associated and um, which fire and water meet each other so the idea oh. would be like yeah so like vein to vein and vein to vein each to be holy again um yeah yeah, yeah that's that, that's yeah. cool yeah what you were saying there earlier reminded me of have you read um Mankant McGann's newest book listen to the land speak I haven't. I haven't actually yet. They're, they're actually on my book list, and for many different mm. reasons. Um, and for, for, for some of their interpretations, because they're going. I, 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 criticism is not an attack. Some of Mangan's approaches I don't get. I love listening to them. I love exploring them. Yeah. I love exploring the rationale of them and their sources. And some of my sources are going. Someone once told me this one. Can't quite remember them, but you need to honor where you think you got it from. And another thing is they're going, this is passed on, on you know, for every generation. Everybody knows this. And I think that we're in, a, we're in a, a cultural kind of moment of where everything needs to get confirmed, you know, especially around historical um, as well as the engagement. Since they're going, it's like, like even comes to some of our storytellers, a lot of our stories are out healing and helping in different ways. But you think of the stories of the Ulster cycle, uh, the Tanta of the Cullen, the Mad, and all these people. To us, they're nomads. But to settled people, they're just figures. But to us, they're actually, they're, they're, if you look at their stories, they're, they're nomads. So I think that mm. different people will interpret those tales differently. And it doesn't mean that they're right or wrong. It means you're finding yourself or reflecting yourself in something. And that yeah. alone, even if I go looking, I go, I have no idea what you're talking about. But I'm glad you're finding some hope in that. And I think Definitely. that's a different engagement. Because sometimes, it's, oh, that wasn't in the Chronicles. You're kind of going, yeah, that's true. The chance that that Chronicles was written by a, well, a wealthy white man who probably came in with their own political agenda or something. So we need to mm. see them through those lenses rather than going, and, all, and especially to our community, it's a story, it's not the story. Because stories change as we change because they move between us. And um, so in, is anyone who wants to fix a narrative, I always go, oh, oh I don't rob yourself something. And I think the manga's bringing new interpretations and I find that very interesting. 
for many reasons. Yeah, because it's such a like I feel like the Irish culture in general just such we have such an oral tradition of like passing on stories, mm-hmm. and like you said, different interpretations of it. Yeah, and we've also this weird relationship, especially like especially even with our healing practices or creative practices. I don't recognize Irish dancing now than when I was a child. Um, it's very okay. Joe, I don't think about in how what way changed. Um, like as someone who's who's Irish danced exactly yeah. once, um, yeah. under <laughs> duress. <laughs> The, the the direct competitive nature of it, the costuming of it, the high um, hairstyles, the tanning. So, I mean, those things had originally nothing to do with my experiences. It doesn't mean they're not valid, but not my, but my experiences of dancing, um, which means that they've shifted. And I see that a lot about our healing as well. Our healing became this, this deeply intimate, personal relationship with ourselves, the land and our lower and our practices. And they've come, become, you go, to, you go to your daughter, you go to chemist, you come home, you take this. I think that there's other layers to that. And then we give ourselves the opportunity to look at that, explore that. I think that there's so much to discover now. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay, that seems like a weird analogy to go in with now on looking back at that moment. But uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I know, I get it. There's, like... there's, there's Irish dancing and modern engagement with traditional healing. It's not too much of a stretch, but there's. there's it makes there's, sense. There's... It does. Yeah. No, no, because like I think. Like, I think that there is a point to that. And I don't know whether this is the specific point, but like, like uh, so much of it, so much of like traditional cultures and indigenous cultures around the world are being shaped by like the globalism of the world. Like, you know, that those high hairstyles and tanning that you said are now like coming into Irish dancing when they weren't when you were a kid you know seem more like something that would happen in like American beauty pageants or dance competitions. Yeah. Um, and how like global that is and then you see all these stories about like oh we found an indigenous tribe deep in the amazon who hasn't had contact with what they say like modern civilization we're like i mean surely aren't they just happy enough living with their own yeah. you know practices and sense of self that you don't need to bother them yeah, yeah. this idea that we Good need idea. to put a global stamp on everything yeah but i think it's the hyper commercialization of experience um, yeah, I think Ireland, Ireland itself has had a long battle and continuing battle around the monoculturalism of Ireland. Um, like the idea of, like an example would be my mother had a passionate dislike the RTE and Bridges Cross that was quite common up until the 90s because the crosses that she was associated with the Bridges had, had five points because different villages, different towns, different regions, different families had their own practices. And how we start reducing and being reductive around an experience. You see that in our language. Like we have a language uh, Gavin Kant has recognized and it is so very beautiful and protected on UNESCO, but it's not really engaged with by the state. It's not really engaged with most people. Although most people, including yourself, Nigel, and Addy, you've spoken words of it. Have you ever said me, Kinefine, or Gammy, or Bjor, or Lush? You've said yeah. our words. Um, like Joe, you know, and words, and just like our tradition, things can come to us and things can leave us and join the general population without being open to that. But once we start looking at where they came from, that can be so really interesting. Um, I can even know myself as someone who's from the intersectionality of, of I hope some of those in the future is also really, really passionate around Polari, um, which is the language of the LGBT people usually associated and um, usually around kind of um, gay men in England that took uh, many of what we call the canting languages. I mean, lesser known or secretive crypto form languages um, and I found so much of our own language in that that reconnecting to my own cultural self in a space that was LGBT specific and finding words in a language other people would use but that intersection of identity really contributes through this idea of the such thing as gay travelers. Um, so culture and the engagement of it can bring so much beauty in different spaces which can in itself be an act of healing although on the surface it may not be identified openly as healing my God, that was so healing and resources to me. And I think those finding those threads and reweaving them into ways that could be protective both shields and sometimes kind of the, the webbing of a bed um, so we can rest on it. Um, that's something that we all can do on different levels to different degrees in our situations. We can all one way or another engage with it. Mm. I think so. Very much so. Mm. Have you any other thoughts around how people engage with their with their practice? Can think. Like this is like, like this is genuinely fascinating stuff. Like. Yeah. No, there's things like kind of going like one of the things that like like 
I, I always kind of feel like, oh God, oh, and people going to they think you're perfect. I have seaweed bath all the time, which is obviously so nice. People have this kind of type of silicon in it, so it makes your skin so soft. After seaweed bath, I'm literally going wandering around the home, like rubbing my arms, going, isn't it so soft? It is, isn't it so, so soft? And um, <laughs> one, one it's, it's wonderful. It's relaxing on many, many levels. And also it does my skin the power of good. Um, and yet we don't, when we think about seaweed bath, we think high-end size, you know, beauty treatments. Then they're going, you're, you're living on a little island. You're never more than two and a half hours from a beach. 99% of the seaweed in this country is safe. And um, which means there's anyway it's common, it's safe to use and to eat, although different taste levels. Um, like, and yet some people will actually engage with it rather than, and we know like, from studies upon studies and lower upon lower how good it is, but how often do we not engage with it? And then you go, but that leads on to a different conversation about why we're not all engaging our own health. Is it okay we have the knowledge or have we, have we, have we submitted unknown to ourselves that responsibility to someone else? Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. No, no, it was, that was a very deep moment there. We kind of just, oh, I'm about to kick one We were just all there, like, yeah. 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 But, um... <laughs> Did we get real TM on the podcast? <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, things like this can be very deep in different ways. I mean, yeah. It could also be very surface level because we go, yeah, because we go, I haven't thought of that before. You go, fine. It's not about performing to me. It's like going, but isn't that an interesting question to ask? It you're, is. Like, you're yeah. guaranteed that your, your answer is going to be different than mine, but they're going to be valid anyways. Mm. Yeah. That's something that I don't think an awful lot of people take into account these days is that like people's interpretations of things can be different and not, uh, you know, and not be, um, you know, like contradictory and make one wrong. I have yeah. one be true and invalidate the other. Um Yeah, no, I think that's very valid, but sometimes we're, again, that's part of that monocultural approach of, like, the truth is the truth and the lie is a lie, rather than that those edges of that can be, can be different, can be experienced very differently and vastly potently to different people. And yeah. I'm someone who, and, and it's, it's, it's in our entire family because we're just, we're busy-headed people, um, insomnia is quite common in my family. And a, a kind of a traditional remedy towards um, insomnia is valerian. Um, brilliant root valerian um, petals, and they, that grows anywhere usually around the third land. It's this wonderful plant. It's, it goes from the kind of crimson red to almost this purple tone. Uh, it smells terrible. It smells like catarrhine. It's absolutely terrible. <laughs> it's very, very strong. Um, so valerian, I can take a few drops in a cup of tea to help me rest and sleep. Valerian is also one of the traditional sources of, of Valium, um, which is oh. quite well known. So yeah, so th- those those associations. Um, I was young, being held and honored historically. Is that when you say like, oh, Jim, nice. It's like, oh, yeah, you have a form of valium growing in your back garden, most likely, or down the road from you. Um, and it's about how do you engage that respectfully, but also safely. Yeah. Both around identification, around amounts, around understanding your own body, building that relationship. So a lot of people, again, in this that idea of on the turn up and take the valium, they go, whoa, whoa, whoa. We need to slow ourselves down. We need to go, yeah. why? Why does it work? How do you? Have you sent how it works on your body? Can you start with the smallest amount possible you can think of and build up to something that you know that works for you without causing secondary issues? Um, you know, like, are you aware of what's going on? So I think sometimes we want that kind of almost consumer outcome of like going, I went and got it and I used it, now I'm fixed, rather than going, are you on a journey at all? Um, mm. so I think stepping out each other's back and change that mindset can be very cathartic to, against trauma and our own, I suppose, our, our hurt. Um, and very, very abandoned towards healing. Yeah, and I feel like it's like you said, just because one thing, like there can be two different statements and like it doesn't mean that one is wrong. And I think it kind of ties back to what you're saying. It's kind of like, like sometimes you do something and you're like, oh, that didn't work, but you could still like respect it and like be like, we'll just try something else. Like, it's like, yeah. a, like thinking about like, you know, from like medicine, like a, like another side of like medicine thing, like, like one thing that I always remember is that like penicillin, like is like an antibiotic, like that was discovered by accident. Yeah, like, in bread mold. Do you know yeah, kind of like of, Alexander yeah. Fleming just kind of left her and he was like, yeah. whoa. <laughs> and like now, like crazy how it do that. <laughs> yeah, crazy how it be like that. And now like 
it's like if you get an infection like you know like antibiotics can be really can be a really good way to treat that and even when you think about it like even in that specific example like from what i've heard penicillin like when it was first kind of designed wasn't as effective and had more problems than it does now because like again people realize saying like okay putting making it this way doesn't work so like you know or this could way it could make it work better it's all about learning yeah and 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 embracing that and does that's our, our bodies are individual like each of us if, if we're um, in the position of having siblings like we're, we're we're from the same source but we're just these genetic mashes you know i mean mm. like kind of going like and how like i like all of my siblings like we're all quite clearly siblings but we're so very different um height kind of like facial formation you know, all the kind of stuff you're kind of going, what's the work with one person's body doesn't work for the other and there's times i feel like such a fragile flower of a person of like oh i'm so you know and then like over time i like i like I it was both it was realized that when you forgot obviously kind of it's just I have a very naturally high pain threshold. It's absurd. I, I mean it's like I've broken bones and quite it's quite painful, I can survive it. There has to be some sort of neurological setup or kind of genetic stuff because like pain is pain. Um or it could be just an environmental stimulus of how we can channel it, but I have a very high pain threshold. Um but also mm. I have a very low resistance to um painkillers. So if I am in if I go in any sort of painkiller, um I am not very stable it affects me very quickly i feel my like my you know the mental stability of how you're engaging to be quite different it affects me that way um mm. and i think you know and while other people can be on and need to in order to their own was so informed consent around their own injury it works quite well for them i know that the pinkers have been on the path have not been kind to me because my body goes what are you doing you what know? is this like uh, yeah what is this and it just doesn't work with this and it's very disorientating um yeah, and 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 I and by other I, I, I have a sister who has a quite a high pain threshold. Why other people don't have that effect? Um, mm. and I always kind of going, yeah. So one thing doesn't fit fit all. So we need to nuance them through our own experiences too, rather than saying like we're just the standard because none of us are standard. Um, yeah. And, and unless you have a genetic double, um, which even in genetic twins is quite rare, in any sorts of way because there was different types of like twinnings and all that stuff, mm. um, and people's own mineral intake, like. There is only one of you and you need to treat yourself with this care through as many channels as you can and embrace. I mean, healing is healing. What works for you works for you. Um, and it's, it's not about rejecting options. It's about making sure you use this consideration as much as possible. Yeah, it's like what you said, like, yeah. it's like these like painkillers again. Like, it's like some people, like, you know, stomach cramps, they might take, say, like, neurofin or something. Some people might be fine yeah. with, like, you know, like a cup of green tea. Like, like there's... Yeah. A lot of other options, like you know, it's just yeah. An example that would be like, oh, it was during myself and actually my sister's thing. I was thinking of her. Went to Belfast, and I decided I was going to dra dra drag the bag from the bus station to the hotel. And there was a lot of cobblestones on the way, and I absolutely upset um, my, my my spine, and I was in quite a lot of pain. Ow. And she popped into a pharmacy, came out, and she goes, "Here you go." And quite usually, I was fine. I was I was just incredibly sensitive. And I took one. And then I, two hours later, so I, could, I danced on the roof before we could get there. Next morning, it was like going, my body feels so very wrong. And I was like, what a, which painkiller was it? It was coding in it. So it was like going, well, I'm going to just give you that now. Oh. Like, this is yeah. not for me. <laughs> no, that, no, that reminds me. I was, they put me on, like, when I got my wisdom tea taken out when I was 19, yeah. I was on codeine. And here's how it was. I got them out on the Friday. And I think I stopped taking them on the Monday. Like, I wasn't on them for that long. I was like my family will tell you I was like running wrong for the next like for the next like while like you know from like the adjustment period like I couldn't sleep at all after coming off it like you know I was just like I was like I don't think this is for me and other people it really suits them and but you, yeah. you're now more aware which means you go in the future when you have if there's hopefully not but it's a period that you need some going this is an option I can choose not to take um yeah one of my reactions is like going I can totally see because of how I physically react to it how these could be so very addictive. You know what I mean? Kind of, kind of going, I can totally understand how people become addicted to this sensation because it was a total detachment for any sense of pain. And pain mm. isn't always like the, the pain can just sometimes the, the stimuli of like, going, you need to mind this, you need to protect this, you need to be careful of how you're moving that muscle. Yeah. Um, right? It's not an enemy, it's a signal. And um, I did not, I was not getting those signals. And I was like, going, oh, that is not good for me. Um, yeah. You know, so, so it's on my list of like, this is not an option I'm going to take. Yeah. Codeine is, yeah, codeine is intense. Like, or like, I used, because when I was on it, I felt like I 
like it would knock me out like which is great because I'd sleep like um really well but then when I came off it it took me a couple days to kind of be able to sleep like and like I said I hadn't been on it for that long like you know my body was just kind of like just knock open yeah so there, and then there's other I suppose like even the, the bark of willow tree um when brewed into the inner bark or brewed into the tea can, can bring a great a lot of I suppose support for people who are in pain and also depending on, on the amount strip the lining of, of the stomach is one of those approaches people need to be very careful with um yeah but there but, but for, I think it's something you said earlier um Maddie, for every like for in, in any place where, there, where something's harmed you, there's something that can heal you and um, our environment around us is one of the great sources of an amazing amount of that's very even of kind of, of protection and care and healing if we have the opportunity to explore them and the wisdom of our ancestors to guide us and the playfulness and courage of our own heart to, to see where it can go. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's quite nice, I think. Yeah, no, it is. I feel like that might be a good place to wrap it up unless you've anything else. No, I think I have tormented you good people long enough. <laughs> Thank you. Thank like it was great, great tormenting. Like, um, um, and if you want, if you're anything this is of interest, I can send you on like resources, um, book suggestions, pods, and um, and it's not just like it's not something that's for everybody. But nobody's hang on, that thing that tickles my fancy. You know, I'm a bit, I'm a bit curious about that. Yeah, um, I, I don't mind. I put things together just to say here, here's something that might might open a door for you, or might, you might look inside. And go, not for me. Yeah, um, if, but if you don't as, mind, as you can. No, no, I would like that because I do think people making their own decisions is to be incredibly important. Yeah, if you could maybe even yeah. put in the Discord like and we could share it in the share some things in the show notes if we could. Excellent. Brilliant. Yeah. Mm. Perfect. Um Owen, where can we find you on social media? Is there anything you anything else you want to kind of plug, anything you want to share? Oh, um Oni O E I N Y on Twitter. And that's mm-hmm. usually kind of my main source, although I am terrible at uh, messages. Um you're more likely to get me a direct message and then you promise to return to you. Um, but yeah, or just go for um, Oni Bardu, that's O E I N B E B H A I R D U I N. And um, now realizing it's probably also going to be in the in the in the existing of the podcast. Um, <laughs> you just give me a Google. There's usually I usually pop up somewhere. <laughs> just just, mm. just have a look. Um, yeah, I'm around. I'm around. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Nigel, where can we find you? Uh, you can manage to find me on Twitter at Spicy Nigel, where I have completed my countdown until Avatar 2. Avatar 2 has been out for two days at the time of recording, and I'm not entirely sure what to do with myself. Have you seen it? Um, no, not yet. You should, you should go see oh, it. Nigel, I, haven't, I haven't seen it either. I haven't seen it, but I've heard very mixed things about it, and that makes me more excited. Because I go, oh, yes. there's stuff in that now. That go, rather than everyone loves it or hates it, they're going, oh, Oh no! I love a, I love a good I love a good devices movie sometimes. Yeah, it's going to be exciting, Joe. You know? And yeah. also, it's three hours yeah. long, so like I kind of like like oh, that's going to be that's an investment of time. I respect. And, no pressure on the bladder, but um, <laughs> I I finally heard a lot of people they thought the visual visibility of it would be really intense. Mm. Um, you know, um, yeah, but but I probably need to watch Avatar one before going back because I probably won't get the other way after it's been some years, so it's probably a good idea to not get that consistency of the storyline if there mm. is one I hope. Mm. Yeah. so yeah um avatar 2 has N- nigel nigel's main N- the, the first thing you say when you're talking about your twitter is that like it's out now i've been continuing my ongoing countdown to avatar 2 well no more my display name <laughs> is just a quote from um 10 things i hate about you nigel with brie <laughs> at the minute amazing um, yeah, and just yeah. Apart from that, just like my new show, Among the Stacks, um, that's doing things. So hey. yeah, awesome. Uh, and yourself, Ali, where about where in the world can people find your good? <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at alicat underscore Ali spelled like alleyway, cat spelled with a K. And you can find me on Instagram at ali a l l y underscore k underscore Keegan. You can find the podcast at Hyperfixations P on Twitter. Or at Hyperfixations Pod on Instagram, rate and review us wherever you get your podcast, be it Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or coming down the Christmas chimney, wherever. If you would like to come onto the show to discuss one of your hyperfixations, please feel free to reach out at any of the aforementioned social media. If you liked the show, tell a friend. If you didn't, nobody likes a fucking narc. 
And that is all for this week. Owen, you are an absolute delight. Thank you very much for being on. Thank you all, Gralty. <laughs> Thank you. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Signing off. Let me just stop that recording there. <laughs>